It was supposed to be a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Finals, a highly anticipated game on national television, and a chance for the Heat to pay back the Celtics. Instead, Boston's defense forced Miami into a stagnant offense, while the Heat defense gave up far too many open looks. Can Miami fix the problem before it's too late? We break it all down in today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on all things Miami Heat. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Vermil, recording from a room in the bowels of FTX Arena, where the Miami Heat just lost to the Boston Celtics, 111 to 104. Uh, the Heat falling to 0 and 2 to start this season. Uh, talking with coaches and players after the game, each and every single one of them pointed to the defense. I still have some concerns about the offense. But overall, uh, how concerned are you with the fact that the Heat have started 0-2 this season? Pretty concerned, actually. Not not panicking just yet. But we spoke before the season started. One of the things that we laid out in terms of their path to the NBA Finals or even the Eastern Conference Finals was that they had to get off to a hot start because they're going to be facing so many games on the road later on. They're starting off with a lot of home games. They've got two games now coming up next against the Toronto Raptors. It was a good opportunity to start off the season 4-0. Instead, they're in an 0-2 deficit. And the Raptors' length all around their roster might be a problem for them as well. So I think there are concerns in terms of they should have gotten off to – should have gotten some of these easy wins now and then have to focus on whether or not they could win on the road later on. Instead, they're behind the eight ball. Yeah. They've got some problems defensively, offensively. They can't seem to quite figure it out. And maybe there might be some questions about maybe they're mismanaging or misusing the rotational players that they currently have available. So I think there are problems. It's not time to panic just yet. Not for me anyway. Uh, I'm not quite at panic mode yet. You consider the two teams that they played, Chicago, yeah. Yeah, but at least a playoff team. And then Boston, who obviously went to the NBA Finals this year and might be the favorites in the Eastern Conference to do it again. I still keep going back to the offensive things, but maybe that's just my head. Maybe that's just the thing that I'm looking at. Because yeah. you keep talking to these players, and, and Tyler Hero in the locker room after the game was just talking about, hey, listen, offense is not a thing that we think about here we're a defensive-minded team we've got to get the defense fixed first and you can over the last 35 years of miami heat uh basketball they've always said defense leads to their offense the defense powers the offense so i think part of that is true their defensive rating right now is 113.5 they're allowing 113 and a half points per one of possessions that would have ranked 25th in the league last year this was a team that ranked fourth in the league last year in defensive rating so defense is definitely an issue i keep going back to well if the offense were just a little bit better right. if it was just a little bit more efficient then maybe some of that stuff about hey a good offense can be a can be the best part of a good defense i do wonder if that's some of it but you know you just it, they seem to be so focused on the defensive things, and that defensive rating is so bad that there's definitely something to it. Uh, Tyler said that they're not necessarily connected defensively. Jimmy said that they weren't giving enough, and, and Spolstra said they weren't giving enough effort defensively in the Bulls game. They both liked the effort a little bit more yes. tonight, but then something wasn't going right. I asked Jimmy Butler about, you know, specifically what is the problem defensively, and he kind of named a litany of things that it could be, that just it might be. not getting stops. But it feels like, yeah, he's just like, we're not getting stops. I was like, yeah, I know. That's what I'm asking. Um, <laughs> why? Uh, overall, I think this is a team that needs to get back 
and, and watch some film and figure some things out. I think that not having P.J. Tucker, I think we're starting to see yeah. some of the, 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 the problems with that and just some of the things that they're trying to figure out. With two new starters alongside Bam, Jimmy, and Kyle, maybe it is just a connectivity thing. Maybe it's just a matter of, all right, how are we going to defend with this group? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair concern. Uh, I think Caleb, as good as he is as a spark plug and how he played last year, there are still some issues there. He indicated to me that you know there were some communication issues. We talked about that after game one. I think you could see that those communication issues were there tonight as well. And I think Tyler, as good as he's been defensively, and I think he's had some positive moments defensively, I think he's still being widely targeted there. Yes. And he's drawing uh, – players are attacking him, and that forces a double to come. So somebody has to help out on defense, whether it's Bam, Jimmy, or somebody else, leading to those wide-open shots from the corner. Grant Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, whoever it was out there on the perimeter were able to have these open looks there. And a lot of that was because Tyler is simply on the floor, and he just seems to have a big bullseye on his head when it comes to players attacking him on defense. So I think that is definitely a concern. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Jason Tatum, 29 points tonight. Jalen Brown had 28 points. And you were right. Every time uh, that Jason Tatum would bring the ball up, it felt like the Celtics had a – well, it didn't feel like. They clearly did have a game plan of, right. all right, Jason Tatum, get a screen, pull Tyler's, uh, Tyler into the action. Right. And then what they would do, even if Jason Tatum wasn't bringing the ball up, is they would still – let's say it was uh, Marcus Smart bringing right. the ball up – they would have they would get uh, Tyler switched onto Tatum's guy and then bring Tyler back into the action and then get Tatum on a post up or some sort of pin down action uh, in the paint and so he was already kind of doing his homework before the before he even got the ball with Tyler on his hip or on his back and right. so they were clearly targeting him in many different ways and I do think that that might be some of the connectivity concerns that Tyler Hero was referencing after the game was okay. You also saw the Heat in those instances trying to kick Tyler out of those actions and get somebody switched in, whether it was Bam, Deadman, Jimmy, Caleb, whoever it might have been on the floor that was closest to him, anybody else, okay. even Kyle Lowry, like anybody else but Tyler, they were trying to kick him out and get somebody else onto the action. And then that's when you saw some of these other guys just sort of spring loose. Uh, the Celtics, 14 of 33 from three-point range tonight, 42.4% shooting from beyond the arc. That's really bad to give up if you're the Heat. They're just, this is a team that does give up a ton of threes. They're Tyler Hero on the floor has always been a defensive issue. Yep. It's something that they've had to cover up for. Think, talking about this going into the season, Tyler being a part of the starting lineup, we thought, okay, you bracket him along with Jimmy and Lowry and Bam, and some of these defensive concerns aren't going to be as big of a concern. I still believe that to be the case, but they are still a concern. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, we saw later on Gabe Vincent uh, and uh, Kyle Lowry playing stout defense against some of those bigger wings, using their body, their physicality, the challenge of not letting them get into their, uh, you know, into positions where they could get into a comfortable rhythm to yeah. put up a shot. It worked. They held them to just 22 points in the fourth quarter. Eric Spolster pointed that out. Again, liking that effort. But by that point, the deficit was so large, they couldn't really come back and make any kind of a difference there. Uh, I, I just, uh, I, a bad loss there. I, I'm still concerned about the offense, too. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's disingenuous to say, that the offense isn't as much of a problem because we saw during the preseason a free-flowing offense with a lot of three-pointers, a lot of ball movement, and it's been stagnant over two games. And I know that we got some uh, complaints that maybe we didn't give enough credit to the Chicago Bulls after the game one loss. I'll go ahead and say the Boston Celtics, absolutely a very good defense, but Miami's offense looks like they're meandering. They don't look like they have any kind of sense of purpose out there. Not enough shooting in particular i mean without tyler hero offensively miami's offense just gets completely stagnant yeah look there's some numbers here that i just want to get to but 
the Celtics made six more three-pointers than, than the Heat did in this game. That's a really tough way to bounce back from. My biggest concern with this offense that, by the way, scored 30-plus points in uh, the first quarter against Chicago, right. has failed to score 30 points in That's a quarter that. since that one against Chicago. So in, in now, what is that, seven straight quarters, yep. if I'm doing my math right, yeah. uh, that they've failed to score 30 points. Boston scored 30 points in two of the four quarters tonight. So that's just that's a bad recipe, and there are definitely offensive issues. My biggest concern is that they took 28 three-pointers against Chicago and then come back and take 26 three-pointers against the Celtics. Spolster was asked about this after the game. He said, look, schematically, the Celtics are a really good defense. They're going to force you into certain looks, and you just kind of make the looks that they give you. I kind of disagree with that. I, I, I think to a certain uh, amount, yeah, you got to kind of take what the defense gives you. But there's also something about something to say about forcing the issue, going and being aggressive and getting your shots, getting to your spots. And when you have guys like Jimmy and Bam who are these big physical presences, isn't that what they ought to do? Isn't that what they're supposed to do is be able to just out-physical, out-athlete, outdo them no. and, and get to their spots? Um, 18 mid-range attempts tonight. That's too many. It's too many, and if you're doing that, you are, you're, you're just, it's just kind of hitting those underneath routes in an NFL game. It's just like, okay, you could keep doing it. You're not going to win a whole lot of games without the big explosive plays. And in the NBA, the three-point shot is the big explosive play, and it's just really hard to win ball games in 2022 taking 26 threes in a game. 11 block shots. I hadn't even noticed that. 11 block shots for the Boston Celtics. Five of them in the first quarter. Yeah, it seemed like they were just swatting shots, whether it was at the perimeter or even at the rim. We should point out, no Robert Williams still undergoing right. uh, recovering from uh, surgery. surgery. Yeah, Miami just could not seem to get enough length there. They were attacking the basket. Boston was forcing them into those mid-range shots because those are the only shots available. And Boston's more than happy to allow them to do it. So it was uh, just a really stagnant offense overall there. Uh, We got a lot of blame pie to hand out (laughs) for this game. We're going to do that next. But first, tell listeners about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your betting football and the start of the new basketball season that hasn't gone the way Miami would have liked. Find all the latest player developments. Team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. We have live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for making Lockdown Heat your first listen today. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on the Lockdown NBA podcast feed. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that smell that you smell is the smelly smell of another smelly loss for the Miami Heat to start the season. It is time to hand out some blame pie, David. And I've got some culprits here. Um, let's start with the bench because the bench was basically torched. At the end of the day, everything that we talked about in the first segment, David, um, the Miami Heat starting lineup was pretty good when you compare it to even Boston starting lineup. They were fine. fine. Bam Adebayo was a plus 20. We didn't talk about his foul trouble. He got four, you got two early fouls in the first five or six minutes of his stint and then, uh, ended up just kind of being in foul trouble. Spolster called probably two of those force fouls, a little ticky-tack. He probably would have disagreed with them. He obviously got that one in the third quarter on that moving screen that he took uh, an issue with, ended up picking up a technical foul because of it. Uh, but Bam was a plus 20 in this game. You look at Dwayne Denman, he was a minus 18. Haywood Highsmith, who had to fill in at some uh, third-string center minutes because Omer Yurtsevin was not available tonight, was a minus 9. 
that's the game to me. Everything we're talking about, yes, there are defensive concerns, there are offensive concerns, largely when we talk about the Miami Heat. But in this particular game, David, if Bam is on the floor, I mean, he did still play 35 minutes because he played all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. So it's really not even that much of an issue. To me, I'm just looking at those bench uh, minutes because foul trouble or no foul trouble, Dwayne Dedman was still going to get time. And he was a minus 18 in a little bit less than nine minutes. Uh, I, let's just start the blame pie, and I'm going to start with Dwayne Dedman. It was a tough game for him. Yeah, uh, looked flat-footed out there. Didn't contribute much in terms of setting screens, rebounding, scoring. Uh, just not a good matchup for him. We saw this in the Eastern Conference Finals. His playing time was minimized out there. I'm not sure how much more effective Omer Yurtsevin would have been if he had been available. Again, he's missing time as well. Uh, I just not a good game for Dwayne, and I know a lot of people are calling for his trade. Uh, he's not going to be traded anytime soon, so you're going to have to learn to deal yeah. with that. Okay, that's just an ugly game for him. But I don't know if he's going to get any better anytime soon either. I think this is I, a trickle down effect. You mentioned PJ Tucker in the first segment. I had mentioned to you too that I, I just don't know that Caleb Martin is supposed to be a starter. Like his energy off the bench is something that Miami was missing, and I wonder whether or not this is just again like a trickle down. Without PJ there, Caleb gets these minutes as a starter, and then all of a sudden Miami's bench unit looks just completely dead out. Yeah, they're getting blown out. And not having P.J. Tucker, too, regardless of him not being in the starting lineup, which there were instances, I thought, defensively where they would just allow these backdoor cuts and things like that. Jason Tatum getting wide-open shots at the basket because he's just not picked up on a cut baseline. And these are things that P.J. Tucker routinely snuffed out. And I know that Caleb Martin, as much as you like him physically, just basketball IQ-wise, he's not P.J. Tucker. Very very few defenders in the NBA are. Not stout enough to hold his position when those players are cutting towards the basket. That, too. But it just seems like he was a little out of position off-ball, too. He's he's a good on-ball defender, Caleb Martin is. I think he's, he's still pretty versatile off ball he's not close to what pj tucker was and and that's definitely an issue so we can give caleb martin a little bit of the blame pie here if you want to the other part of it too with not having pj is that when bam is off the floor Mm. and the offense stalls a little bit the only option is dwayne deadman especially on a night when omar yurtsevin's injured and when dwayne deadman gets into early foul trouble because that's just what he does then you're left with haywood highsmith as your third string center and, and that's just not a great spot for Haywood to be in because we're talking about playing him at power forward, and even that is considered a stretch. Right. So uh, let alone playing him at the five. All right, so let's give out some blame pie here. I've got Deadman and Highsmith. I think they deserve probably four blame pies. Between them? Between them, so two apiece, or do we give one? I, do we give three to Deadman and just one to Highsmith, considering that Highsmith was kind of left a no win? Yeah, no it's, it's not – you can't really blame him for being undersized. He's just, right. he, probably, he probably shouldn't just have been playing in the first place. Right. Uh, Caleb Martin, do you want to give him a piece? Half a, half a slice there. I don't know. Can we don't give make me slices? do that math. No. All right. So <laughs> I'm not that advanced yet, and it's late. Um, three. So we've got five pieces of blame pie. I think we got to give some to Max Struess. It was a tough night for him. I, as good as he was in game one, the exact opposite performance tonight. Uh, victimized out there. Maybe it was a concerted effort defensively. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. I know that uh, Boston certainly had – Enough film from what they saw of him in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they were able to take away his comfort level completely. Rush shots, uh, the five shots he did take, he missed all but four. I'm sorry, all but one of those. Uh, again, bad night. Worst plus minus out on the floor, minus 25 while he was out on the floor. Yeah, 0 for 3 from three-point range. Didn't take enough threes, and we're not going to talk about Duncan Robinson enough probably, but just played six minutes tonight. Did not take a shot. Maybe the most passive I've ever seen Duncan Robinson, yeah. although Boston was blitzing him like pretty hard coming off of every screen. So I, I you kind of understand why he wasn't able to. He didn't have a nice assist early in the game, but between Max Struess and Duncan Robinson, I called out their total in game one. Uh, which I think uh, was like they only took like eight or nine threes combined in game one. They took just three combined threes 
tonight. And those were all Max Struces. Yeah. Uh, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I'll go back to it. 26 three-point attempts for the game is not good enough for this Miami Heat team. That Whose strengths is the three-point shooting, right? You've got Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. These are all good to elite three-point shooters, and you need space around Jimmy and Bam. You need to create that space. The only way to create that space is to take those threes. They need to find a way to take those three-pointers. Uh, I'm giving Max Struess two slices of blame pie. Does that sound right? Can we? Yeah, that's fine. Can we give some blame to the Boston Celtics defense? I mean, they're pretty damn good. Like, I mean, give I, some I, credit to them, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't blame them for their for the heat loss because, I mean, they were, again, challenging all of Miami's shooters, getting into it physically. They matched Miami's level of physicality. They were able to hold their own at the rim, defend their, their well at the perimeter, played an excellent defensive they game. They don't have anybody who's a minus defender that they play uh, in their rotation. Cole Hauser, is that his name? He's all right. He's a, he's a big guy. I mean, he's not like a – the, the Heat weren't attacking Hauser. them. Sam Hauser, Cole yeah. Hauser, it's Josh cool. Hauser, who cares? Yeah, Tanner Hauser. Yeah. Um I do think we got to put some blame pie to Spolstra. So we've got four pieces left. I think I'm going to give him the four. Ooh, I'll give heavy. him three. I got one more piece to give out. I'll give him three. Questionable rotation fu- issues? I don't even care about the rotation. You and I talked, we were talking about that in the media room. Do your rotation thing, and then I, and then I can give you the rebuttal. No, no, no. I mean, it's just, to me, again, I think there were some concerns there. He took out uh, Bam way too early after he picked up his fourth foul. I, I think that was a mismanagement. I know he had two fouls go. He, he didn't pick up another foul throughout the rest of the game. And this is when, you know, we needed Bam to be at his very best, when Miami needed something, the spark plug that Bam was able to provide was sitting on the bench with four fouls. And I understand that, but why not play him a little bit earlier? Again, playing Haywood Highsmith. Why not play Nikola Jovic? Give him a test. And I know you said, oh, he's going to get burnt out there. He might get burnt, or he might have one of those incredible passes to a cutting Jimmy Butler. We saw the offense with Jovic during a preseason. Preseason, I understand. Huge caveat. At the same time, the offense just looked much more fluid with him out there. Jamal Cain, a slasher, somebody who can cut to the basket. His shot looked like it was falling. Who's to say that he's not going to be able to provide a spark foot? Mike, if the answer to the problem is 19-year-old Nikola Jovic, then the Heat have really big concerns then, bigger than probably what we're talking about. I understand the concerns with the rotation, but Bam ultimately played 35 minutes. That's kind of what he normally would play. He doesn't usually play the full fourth quarter. That's fair. He got to his minute allotment. Um, Dwayne Dedman only played a hair under nine minutes. Uh, Haywood Highsmith played four and a half minutes. I understand maybe, you know, when it was very clear that Highsmith wasn't the answer, he was already, he was a minus nine tonight. Yeah, probably throw Jovic out there. I thought we would see Jovic tonight. I'm surprised we didn't. Um, but to me, I just think that he was Spolster was too okay with the mid range shots. Not to keep harping on it, but that's an inefficient look that defenses give up for a reason. They want you to take those mid range shots, and I just thought that the Heat needed to find a way to be more aggressive offensively yeah. to get to those spots um, to get guys. Freed off of screens. I thought they were doing some really interesting stuff early. Yep. Uh, having Jimmy Butler always involved in a two-man action with Struess, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, always with a smaller guard to kind of free up the spacing for him. Um, and and then that kind of went away. I just thought that the offense didn't look particularly organized and that everything ended up kind of turning into, let's set a screen at the top and then just sort of walk into a mid-range shot that they're going to give us. And if it's Jimmy or Tyler or taking that mid-range shot, we'll close out on it. And if it's anybody else, we're just going to let them take it. And for the most part, they missed those shots. And they weren't getting enough three-point shots. And they weren't getting to the basket either. Uh, Celtics, Butler, 52 points in the paint. Miami yeah. had 46. Jimmy Butler, 17 field goal attempts, nine made field goals, zero free throw That's attempts. our final piece of blame pie. Has to go to Jimmy Butler. He's the leader on the team. 
Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised. Uh, I asked Eric Spolster about it. He said he didn't notice anything particular uh, in terms of why he didn't get to the, the line as much as he normally does. And we've come to rely on that part of Jimmy's offense providing a spark the way it did in game one against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, just not available to them yeah. tonight. I mean, again, perhaps some more credit goes to Boston's defense for not. Sure. They have long guys. They have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, they, they're they fine putting Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon on them, yeah. uh, Grant Williams on them. Like, they've well, got a lot of options. options but um, at the same time, this is Jimmy Butler who torched this Celtics defense in Game 6 in the Eastern Conference Finals, torched this Celtics defense in Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. When they had Robert Williams, right. and they were without Robert Williams, and you just want Jimmy Butler to something. Look, I get that he's going to coast in the regular season to a degree, that he's going to just basically average 21-6-6 six, and six through the regular season and play good defense and, and, and create some turnovers and things like that. He only had one steal tonight. Uh, but there are just some times where you just need him to do more. And, especially, and it, you know what? If it's the Orlando Magic in December, go ahead and coast, Jimmy. Yeah. But this is the Boston Celtics. Just bring your A game. It didn't really feel like he was bringing it tonight. And so, yeah, he gets a little bit of the blame pie. Uh, we've got some listener questions coming up next. We mentioned Nikola Jovic. Should he have played? What could it have looked like if he did play? We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Back here at Locked on Heat, we're going to get to some more listener questions that you guys submitted via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. This first one comes from jimmy for fmvp on Twitter. Hmm. Writes in, in all caps, why are they playing Highsmith over... Jovic? It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before. There really aren't uh, a lot of other options on this roster. I wonder how much playing time Highsmith will get once Yurtseven returns Zero to health. I think that's, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't see not me. at center. Not at center. Maybe at a different spot. Right. Fouls, injuries, something like that. Right. But not at center. I think this was a break glass in case of emergency. clearly not P.J. Tucker as much as everybody wants him to be. He's yeah. not. I, the, the physicality might be there. The size might be there. But it's just not tying all together the way PJ was and able to, in order to, to have a long career at center. Um, I still think that if this were a different team and not the Boston Celtics, we might have seen Jovic in there. But given how everything we were just talking about, how they target Tyler Hero and they go to, it's not just, it, it's not always just, hey, bring Tyler's guy into the screen and then, you know, uh, just attack him. Just get, get him switched onto your ball handler and attack him. It's, it's more complicated stuff than that. And I just don't think Jovic is ready against this team if it was a more simple team if it was an easier matchup i think uh maybe a younger team than boston no one's not as, as experienced uh, or well coached then maybe we see jovic in that game i'll, I just I'll count it up, up by saying they had no idea what jovic is like so there's no scouting report on him right now that i'm sure the celtics are familiar right. with it might throw them off just enough to provide that spark plug offensively that miami was lacking all night Victor P. 1881 writes in, what do we have to lose by giving Jamal Cain and Jovic playing time? We already talked about Jovic. We could talk about Jamal Cain. Yeah, I, I look, another slasher, a guy who was shooting particularly well, breaking up passing lanes during the preseason. Again, the preseason, I understand that, but these things translate. We saw Tyler Hero pop. We saw Kendrick Nunn getting minutes over Dion Waiters as a rookie, and then he wound up becoming a starter long-term because he popped during the preseason. And I know that Dion eventually got suspended. But we've seen Spolstra recognize that rookies or young players or anybody has an impact during the preseason, and then they go on to get significant playing time during the regular season. doesn't seem like it's the case. I mean, I understand if Kane is, is a, a two-way player and you're limited to just 50 games, that's fine. This could have been one of the 50 games. When you're looking for a spark and, and nobody on the bench is providing it because everybody was getting roasted with the exception of Gabe right. Vincent, 
go to somebody well, else. Well, to your point, too, we should explain that two-way contract players are only eligible for 50 of the 82 regular season games. Right. Um, and you have to make that decision before you even start the game is whether or not this player is going to be active or inactive. And in tonight's game, I don't think that they expected necessarily to use Haywood Highsmith as their third center because Bam picked up two fouls in the first five or six minutes. Yeah. And then Dwayne Denman came in and picked two fou- picked up two fouls in the first quarter. And then Spolster was looking down his bench and is like, Omer Yurtsevin's injured. Jamal Kane's been inactive because of the two-way rules. Like, I guess we're going with Haywood Highsmith. Yeah. So if it would have been a shortage of power forwards or, or, or just wings going into this game, maybe then Spolstra activates Kane prior to the game starting. Uh, but given just the weird thing, I, I think that's the reason why. And I think we need, I think that's worth explaining because I don't, unless you're covering the team day-to-day like you and I, you probably don't even know the rules of the two-way contract stuff and the, the, the intricacies of how they got to be activated and stuff like that. Fair so enough. it wasn't as if Spolstra just looked at Jamal Kane on his bench and he was like, not you tonight. He just was inactive because of the two-way rules and, and that was just, and he was just not an option, uh, point blank. Ryan writes in, it looks as simple as everybody else else being the competition in the Eastern Conference, got better this offseason, and we, being the Heat, got a little worse. Is there a way to fix it without making a move, or is it as simple as Big Yurt, Jovic, and Oladipo working into the depth? Uh, Big Yurt, we mentioned Yurt's event, not available tonight. Victor Oladipo missing his second straight game uh, with tendinosis. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't think you know exactly what you're going to get at Yurt's event or Oladipo, because right now Oladipo struggled during the preseason. Yurt's event had his moments during the regular season last year. It looks like he's an option. I think those are fine, but at the same time, there's still a glaring hole at the power forward spot. I, I, I keep coming back to I don't I don't like complaining about Caleb because he's been a great locker room presence and he's shown a lot of upside. It's not his fault. He's just not a power forward. I just don't think he's the right option now. And I, I thought he'd be able to handle it a little bit more effectively because they were le- they were supposed to be leaning more into the offensive production, but the offense has taken a significant step back from what we saw during the preseason. This should should they been- consider a starting lineup change? Is it too early to do that? What's the other option at this point? I guess bringing one of your three-point shooters into the starting lineup, so Max Strus or Duncan Robinson. That could provide a spark, but I think you're going to give up something defensively. I mean, Max and they don't have much more to give up. They're already <laughs> exactly. So they could even take a sp- yeah. another step back. Look, we talked about this during the preseason. This looked like a team that was going to put up a lot of points, put up a lot of shots from beyond the perimeter. They've gone away from that, and as a result, now their defense is struggling too. It just—it does not look like a team with a clear focus. And I know they keep saying, "No, no, it's okay. We'll figure it out." I'm not sure how much more. They kind of wasted a great performance by Kyle Lowry, bouncing back. Yeah, you should point should that out, that. too. Yeah. Uh, Four yeah. of 13 overall, three of seven from three-point range, Bam had uh, six assists. Bam was super aggressive. I love this night from Bam Adebayo. I think if the Heat keep getting these this kind of night from Bam, without the foul trouble, obviously, minus the, the foul issues, then they're in a really good position. That's why I'm not freaking out overalls, because I think one of the other big questions we had going into the season, are we going to get that leap from Bam and Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero is putting up all-star numbers in his first two games, point blank. He had 25 points tonight on 10 of 21 shooting, 2 of 6 from 3-point range. He wasn't super efficient, right. but on a night where nobody was doing anything offensively, at least he was forcing the issue, yeah. right? Like. If you want to bl- if you want to have an issue with his uh, shot selection, go for it. At least he was trying to get something going offensively. No, I know. And then Bam was aggressive as well, and I like that. Eight of eleven field goal attempts for him. Um, and then Lowry was aggressive too. If you don't think that Lowry reads and listens to stuff, you're wrong because it was a difference for him. Um, I I still think that this team needs to figure out some of the schematic things before we start talking about making a move or any kind of lineup changes or anything like that. Uh, we knew that losing PJ Tucker. And kind of shoehorning Caleb Martin into this power forward spot was going to be an issue. But we also said one of the ways to counteract that issue is to be more dynamic offensively. You've pointed this out during the game. 
Caleb Martin is not dynamic on offense because he's just not allowed. He's being parked into the corner the way that Jay Crowder was, the way that PJ Tucker was, yep. and that's what he's being. That's what he's doing. He needs to get those above the break looks. He needs to be able to attack off the catch on the weak side on the second action, things like that. And they're just not getting him in those spots. Uh, they need to take. <laughs> they need to take more threes. That's the only way if you're gonna be a better offense than what they were last year, which was average. They were an average offense, middle of the pack, and in a top five uh, defense. They need to be top 10 in both this year. I think that's the formula. You could slide a little bit defensively, understanding that P.J. Tucker's not there, but you got to pick up the things on offense. And I think those two things go hand in hand. It's not just defense, not just offense. As we know in basketball, everything is connected. Is it? Is <laughs> This seems like it might be crazy to even suggest. Is Tyler possibly the issue? No. I don't think so. In the starting lineup? I, yeah, because I think that the offense stagnates a little bit. It's, it's go to work. Go to work, Tyler. Go to work, Jimmy. Maybe occasionally, bam, go to work. But I think, again, you get Kyle kind of putting up shots whenever he's got the ball available to him. Unlike tonight, he was a little bit more aggressive. Uh, Caleb, again, re- relegated to the corner. I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a little different. You know, if, if It's okay to let the second unit and allow Tyler to cook in those Well, the problem is that we haven't to. seen the real second unit because Victor Oladipo is out. So to Ryan's question, I do think once Victor Oladipo gets back, yeah. we're going to see something different. You just look at the plus-minus tonight, and it does tell a story. The starters basically played Boston starters to a draw. Um, that big fourth quarter run was a big part of it. I think they came back at a 9-0 run to kind of even things up there. Uh, the bench got completely annihilated. You wonder what it looks like if Victor Oladipo is a part of it. So uh, to answer the question here, you got to get Yurtsevin back. I wonder if he stops the bleeding a little bit in those Haywood Highsmith minutes because those would have been his minutes, and Highsmith probably doesn't play tonight. Yeah, that's um, and then what does that second unit look like with somebody who is able to drive and kick the way that Victor Oladipo is. We love Gabe Vincent. He had a nice night tonight. He's more of a second guard, not really a primary ball handler. Victor Oladipo is kind of that guy who you want taking that high screen, driving, and then kicking out to Struess and Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent in that second unit. So let's see what it looks like when guys get healthy. We'll see what happens. The Heat play the Toronto Raptors, second night of a back-to-back Saturday night. We won't have a recap of that for you Saturday night. I'm sure we'll talk about it in our Monday episode. They also play the Raptors again on Monday here at FTX Arena. But thanks again for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Make sure to ring the bell on YouTube to get notified as soon as new episodes go up. Now, make your second listen Locked on NBA. The NBA season is here, and our local NBA experts and insiders have you covered on and off the court all season long. All the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. You can catch David on the Tuesday morning episodes. I'm on the Friday morning episodes. It's available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts.